Thank you, Pastor. What a what a privilege. Wow, I'm just overwhelmed by his presence. I could sit and soak all night long with just this worship and this atmosphere. As much as I'm full and have something to say, I'm just so enthralled with the presence. I mean, in his presence is fullness and freshness and freedom. I believe this is the first time since Brownsville that I've heard such a pure, a pure worship. I was sitting there enthralled in the presence. And it sounded like all of a sudden I was transported into that next world that's more real than this world. How many knows the next world is more real than this world? And I heard a number that no man can number. It was more than the four that was up here. It was more than just you joining in. But I literally heard the sounds from that revival crowd. Multiplied millions singing praise and honor and glory to God. I heard that and I thought, wow. There's something going on here at River of Life. And before I minister, I don't preliminaryize. I'm not here to say something. got something to say. Hold you no longer than he does. When he's through, I am for sure. But this is one invitation I couldn't break. It's over a year ago that Pastor Scott asked me, and I don't book anything here in advance. How many of you really can't schedule a hurricane? How many knows what I'm saying? <laughs> but there was something in his voice and something about the invitation that made me know that I needed to put that on the calendar. Now, to be honest with you, I thought we'd be in the rapture. How many can identify with that? But I, I don't travel like I used to. I, I'm waiting for that tsunami. I'm waiting for the next wave, the next big thing. <laughs> I've traveled so much, preaching three revivals a week and just all over the nation and still get invitations, especially from overseas. But we stay within a 200-mile or rather a two- or three-hour radius, and I've got two drivers that drive me into hot spots. And then we headquarter in Branson. How many's heard of Branson, Missouri? It's an old Indian word for bumper to bumper. How many can identify with that? And we've been having powerful meetings there at the Radisson and, and different theaters. And, but I really am not into going places. I'm not, in, I'm not moved. I've been there and done that. And I've seen some stuff. But the promise God gave me when I left Pensacola was this. You haven't seen it yet. It's in front of you. Position yourself. How many knows the best is yet to come? And so when Pastor, and every so often he would just kind of prod me about this invitation. And I would say, now remind me when we get close, remind me. And all of a sudden, it's on us. And the Holy Ghost said, this is a God-ordained event. You're to go because something significant is going to happen. Listen very carefully for the rest of it. You may not even realize this. There may be times you feel like that you're a small group in a big area. But I sat here, and this is the first time I've heard real, pure worship. I didn't hear a mixture. And I looked around, and everybody was involved. So our goal is not to have a house full of Pharisees. Say amen, somebody. And so somehow God has weaned all that away. And now I heard a number that no man can number. And one reason God brought me here, and I know he's going to give you impartation. And I know what's going to happen tonight, tomorrow night, and Saturday. I, and already, I smell revival. I can smell the glory. So I, I know what's going to happen, but this is bigger than even you think. Right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex, right here in this area, where there's all kinds of churchy religion going on, God has raised up a militant army of blood-bought, fire-baptized, radical, revolutionary remnant that says, Jesus, we want the real deal, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. So we're going to stay and bug you till you bless us. Amen. We're not going to give up, back up, because we're going after something. Amen. And when I, when I saw that I was here for the bigger picture, and the bigger picture is this. Are you ready? You may not even realize it, but you are leaders. 
in America back to God. Shout amen, somebody. And this is going to sink in in the coming days. Because what God does tonight, tomorrow night and Saturday and Sunday, and what he's going to do in the coming days is preparation for this big wave of glory. Somebody, Dr. Cho's prophecy. Now, I know the prophecy is the ambassador. I quote it every night. Are you ready? Dr. Cho, who spent four to five hours a day in prayer, pastor close to a million people, was praying one night, Lord, have you reserved America for judgment? Or are you going to send revival to America? Led by the Holy Spirit, pulled out his attache case, pulled the atlas out, laid on the bed, through divine direction, prophetic utterance, pointed to a place he'd never been. And with these words, I'm going to send a mighty visitation of my glory to America. It will begin, if I say begin, in a seaside city called Pensacola, Florida. It will burn like a match out there, but then, if I say then. Now the story picks up, and you're in on it, and the rest of the nation's in on it. Then... It will spread all over America till all of America is ablaze with the glory of the Lord. Now, we saw that match head. It burned bright, fast, and I remember the guys, it was almost burning their fingers. They didn't know what to do with it because it just, where do you go? And, and suddenly it looked like a sudden silence. And I went back disappointed. I even prayed to die. And go to heaven. Now, don't look so pious. You have too. Everybody's not. We've been there. I've been in that wilderness. I see your footprints out there sometime too. And I said, Lord, I don't want to go back to being an evangelist. I don't want to go back to church and, you know, just religious jargon and, and you, you know, Jesus, I'm so sick of myself. I don't even like my own preaching, much less anybody else's. Yabba dabba do. That's what church sound like to me. I don't want to go back to that. I'd just seen the glory. And God said, these words, you haven't seen it yet. It's in front of you. Position yourself. And I saw the tsunami. The last part of Dr. Cho's prophecy is going to be fulfilled. If God said it, take it to the bank. Hang your hat on it. Ladies and gentlemen, he cannot lie. He cannot fail. He cannot change. If God said it, it's going to happen. It shall come to pass. Me thinks it's already begun in Dallas, Texas, right here at River of Life. Amen. I just feel... The vibrations of that anointing. It was a year ago, January, John Kilpatrick said, John Davis, I want you to come down, bring Mario Murillo, Gary McSpadden. I want us to have a revival summit. It was in January, the beginning of the year. We need to hear from God, a fresh word. Usually he would have some kind of a meeting where he would bring together 1,000 or 2,000 people and prophecy conferences and perhaps this year and all kinds. Of, but he said, I just want the four of us. Mara Morello, we'd been together with him for a revival meeting for several months in Branson. And how many of you have heard of Mario Morello? A mighty man of God, powerfully used of God, and, and really embraced the Pensacola revival, what God was doing. And him and Steve Hill were in touch in the latter years. And, and so I brought, I brought this general down to connect him with John Kilpatrick, and Gary McSpadden came. And, and so we came down just to open our hearts and talk about revival and just say, Lord, what are you saying? And the first word God gave me before the revival started was this. You're trying to go forward. I'm calling you back. And it really hit me hard. Heavy hung over me. I knew that was for somebody. And so I could hardly wait for the next meeting. And when we got together in John Kilpatrick's basement, and we went through the introductions, and he connected with Mario and Gary McSpadden and, of course, we just reveled in the river of God and the presence of the Lord. I said, listen, I've already had a fresh word from God. And he told me this, you're trying to go forward. I'm calling you back. I thought it was for one of them, and they graciously received it. But guess what? It was for me. And it wasn't long before God had showed me. It wasn't happening in Branson, and that was my assignment. But the tourists, they didn't want revival, and and I'd move from theater to theater. It wasn't unusual to be preaching, and you would have 19 states represented, but they, they weren't interested in revival. They want entertainment. They don't come to Branson for revival. They come for Dixie Stampede and Silver Dollar City and Shoji Hoochie Coochie or whatever his name is. But anyway, I remember, I remember getting so discouraged. I said, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm gone. But God said that word, you're trying to go forward, I'm calling you back. And I began to process that because these guys received it, but God was talking to me. 
And then God took me just a few years back. It was every Monday night I would land at the Ronald Reagan National Airport and they would taxi me to a motel and to a church just, just seven or eight miles from the Capitol and, and, and all, the, all the activity, the White House and the Pentagon. And, and at the Assembly of God Church, we would stand some 200 people, one night 1,400 people. But we would stand for seven months every Monday night and we would lift our hand and pray for America. We would pray for the White House, the President. We would pray for the, the, uh, for America to experience a supernatural divine intervention. This went on for seven months. Washington, D.C., white hot revival. The glory would roll and lives were challenged, changed and charged and, and this was my assignment. And then I remember when they came to me and they said, we have an invitation. You can't talk about it for at least two months but if you can stay over one more night, Tuesday, we're going to get you in the White House. and You've got access to every room in the White House. You, we want you to have a prayer meeting and on everything and believe God for revival. I knew this was God. A country boy am I, but I knew this was God. Favor on my life. And so I told my wife, won't be back Tuesday, be back Wednesday. And sure enough, after the Monday night rally, I looked out and I saw uh, three-star generals and and uh, secret service agents, and because the pastor would tell me that, that person right there is from the Carter area era. She served as a chief correspondent, and and that's a senator over there. And there's a congressman, and it wasn't it wasn't unusual. Every night it looked like a battlefield as people just would just shake in the presence of God. Oh, there's nothing like the sounds and sights of Holy Ghost revival. But the next night I stayed. I knew this was a divine appointment. And sure enough, the big van came up, the doors opened, secret service agent, chief correspondent, some other dignitaries, men of God, about seven of us, if I recollect. I knew this was divine appointment. I'd prayed all day, fasted. I was going to the White House on business for the king. And they taxied us up. It was late at night. And they brought us in a side door secretly. We slipped in the White House. We snuck in. Now, this was during the Clinton years. There was a lot of sneaking going on back then. How many knows what I'm saying? And I hope you're taping this. But anyway, I thought if the devil can sneak in, maybe the Holy Ghost can sneak in. So I didn't feel guilty. And I even knew that they were home upstairs. But I remember we walked in with joined hands and we prayed. And I put oil on the bottom of my shoes. And we all put oil on our shoes. And everywhere we walked for three hours driven by a compulsion from another world, divine energy consumed us, head to heel, nose to toes. I'm telling you, we just moved and we were, I'm there tonight, I'm praying, I'm anointing fixtures and every place that this, they would say, this is where the president sits for his meeting and this is where the vice president is. I anointed every chair with oil. I thought the Holy Ghost doesn't get them, they're going to slide out. Something's going to happen because... And we went downstairs in the bowling alley and the movie theater and we just anointed all the fixtures and, and then we went to the West Wing and the East Wing and for three hours, divine appointment. This was a God-given thing and I knew that something big was in front of us there in the capital, Washington, D.C. And I remember being mesmerized, transfixed. I looked up and I saw the pictures of George Washington. I saw the scriptural references too, too numerous to mention. The Word of God everywhere. References to God everywhere. And I felt the power and presence of God there like I feel here. I didn't understand it because I had always heard about the, the gridlock and the deadlock and in the beltway and all the hellish onslaught and you can smell hell every time you, you, you hear about Washington, D.C. or see it. Or, there's just something there and I didn't understand. I said, God, I feel you. What is this? And God spoke to my heart and said, this is my house. It's been hijacked, but I want it back. He said, this is my nation. The devil has hijacked it, but I want it back. And everywhere you go, I want you to tell everybody you see that America belongs to me, and I want America back. And the key is not in Washington, D.C. The key is not the Democrats or the Republicans or the Senate the Congress are the president of the judicial branch. 
But the key is this. Are you ready? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal the land. The key to revival is right here at River of Life. Blood-bought people petitioning heaven, storming the bastions of hell, saying, Devil, get out of the White House. Get out of the courthouse. Get out of the schoolhouse. Get out of the church house. And while you're at it, get out of my house. Come on, give God a thunder salvation. Give him praise. And it was there at the summit with John Kilpatrick that God reminded me, America back to God. Everybody say America back to God. America. Everything I do, it's America back to God. Wherever I go, whatever I say. But God was telling me before America comes back, you're trying to go forward, I want you to come back. God, what are you talking about? I, I mean, we, we, we preach, you know, we go forward, not backwards. I've always preached, don't hold back, look back, draw back, don't go back. But God is telling me, you're trying to go forward. I want you to come back. Not back to the good old days. How many of us, we can't go back. And by the way, I love this atmosphere, and I love the sound. What a sound. I mean, you guys are practiced, and, and the, the unity and the harmony here is, like I said, it's, it's something like... And I know the touch of glory on it is, makes it sound like that, that, that what we're all seeking. At. In fact, the whole world needs what you have here. So I'm not longing for the tent revival days where you could sit and sweat and mosquitoes were circle singing nothing but the blood. How many remembers those good old days? How many remembers those good old days? I'm not trying to take, we're not saying, you know, we're, we're not trying to go back in the good old days. I think the best thing I can do to explain it is Richard Crisco sent a word out the other day that I grabbed a hold of it. It was a prophetic utterance that was spoken over him, and these were the words. You will be accused of living in the past. The truth of the matter, the past is living in you. Now grab a hold of that, because everything we preach, when you preach about blind Barnabas and the lady with the issue of blood and the demoniac of Gadara who turned to the evangelist from Decapolis, when you preached about the man that leaped up and healed and made whole, when you preached about the same sandal-shod son of God who walked the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem, the dusty roads of Nazareth, Blue Galilee, and shore, you preach about the good old days, I'm telling you, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he ever healed the sick, he can do it again. If he ever raised the dead, he can do it again. If he ever healed blind eyes, he can do it again. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is here, and he is the same. Come on, give him praise. So all God was telling me, we talk about come back to the Bible, come back to basics, come back to the upper room, come back to the cross and Pentecost. I like the name of this conference, Pentecost. Pentecost, God bought it. Holy Ghost wrought it. Jesus bought it. Calvary brought it. Devil fought it. Apostles sought it. They caught it, and it's real. It'll take you through the water, make you talk in tongues and totter, and you know you surely got her. Come on, shout amen, somebody. <laughs> well, I can go forever on that stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, this, this, this is the real, what God is saying. No, no, no. I'm not telling you to live in the good old days. I'm not telling you to go back to Brownsville because if you went back there today, you would not see what you saw then. It's sad. But I can show you churches all across the nation that can brag about what used to happen there. And their trophy cases are full about the good old days and what God used to do. He's not the great I used to be. It's the great I am. I said, he is the... <laughs> if you don't shout amen, I'm going to preach to midnight. Come on, praise him. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is a preacher's paradise, Pastor. You've, in fact, we had revival all the way from the airport. Since, since he picked me up, we've had nothing but Holy Ghost revival. A little barbecue on top of that. Amen. Shout amen. <laughs> but this is... I didn't know people like that were still around, but you have a pastor. Him and Sandy, my God, I mean, they, these are choice servants of God that are saying no to sin, Satan. They haven't compromised. They're saying if God did it once, he can do it again. And we're going to believe that God's going to do it one more time. Come on, give God ovation. Give him praise. My God, I felt it in your testimony, Brother Sergio. I hear it in your voice. 
Oh, God, do it again. Throw your hands up like it's a holdup. Come on, cry out to God for 30 seconds. God, one more time. Come on, one more time. Rend the heavens. Make bare your holy arm. Oh, walk down the starry steps of glory. We're coming back, Lord. We're coming back to the heart of worship. We're coming back to the altar of repentance. We're coming back to you and humility and hunger. My God, make us, take us, break us, shake us, wake us. We're coming back to you, Heavenly Father. Do it again. Come on, lift your voice. You're too quiet from your belly. I want you to praise him. Come on from your belly. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, sorry, mandara, Messiah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. I hear it in your voice. I hear the hunger. I hear the hunger. One more time. Oh, God. That's it. You're not boring God. This is what God wants to hear. This is what he desires to hear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The prophet Hosea thunders, Come, let us return to the Lord. He is torn, he will heal us. He is smitten, he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. Then we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow unto the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. He shall come to us as the early and the latter rain. Come, let us go back to God. Everybody say back to God. Back to the heart of worship. Back to Pentecost and the old rugged cross. Back to our knees in humility and hunger. Jesus, John Kilpatrick says, God doesn't put revival on a bargain basement counter. It says, you can have it cheaper. What it costs Steve Hill, what it costs Finney, what it costs the great patriots of yesteryear will cost us. He wants us all. He wants everything. Take us, make us, break us, shake us. Oh, God, do it again. I'm talking about America back to God, but God says to me, you're trying to go forward. I'm calling you back. And during that time of introspection and humility, I found myself breaking in the presence of God, and God gave me two words to give you tonight. I want you to come back to your first love. And I want you to come back to the last word. Everybody say first love. love. It's a church at Ephesus, Revelation, the second division. Didn't begin there. Jesus walking says you've left your first love, commends them in ten points, rebukes them in only one, but so serious. He said if you don't remember, return, repent, I will remove. The church out of the city, my presence out of the city. Didn't start there, started out in Acts chapter 19. Just a dozen, you know, people that received the Holy Ghost and grew to thousands. Some even said hundreds of thousands. After years, we're filling the, the whole region. And it was a mighty revival. They had had Apollos' revival, but now this was the revival of signs and wonders and Holy Ghost power. Twenty years later, Paul writes him a letter. Awake thou that sleepest, Ephesians 5.14. Arise from the dead, Christ should give thee light. Because the history of the church has been to stray away from God. We try to go forward without God. America, you've come a long way, baby. The wrong way, baby. Say amen, somebody. Abortion on the man, the law of the land. For 230-some years, we knew what marriage was. Man and woman, now they've redefined marriage. If we did not have God intervene in the recent election, America was long gone. But against all the smart boys that was statisticians and was, I don't like politics. There's three ticks I don't like, lunatics, heretics, and politics. How many can identify with that? Politics. Poly means many and ticks means blood-sucking varmint. Amen. I don't so I'm not talking political. I was in Washington, D.C. for seven months with a genuine Holy Ghost revival when God said, I want the White House back, and I want this nation back. And so I began to preach something big this way is coming. Get ready. Something's coming. I preached it. People didn't believe me because it got worse and worse and worse. 
but it's always been in the world's darkest hour that God shines through mighty power. Amen. He shows up and shows off. By the way, darkness don't put the light out. How many knows that? The darker it gets, the brighter we can shine with the glory. And the glory of the Lord will rise and shine, and we're moving into that region, and I can feel we're in that zone tonight. I felt it a few moments ago. Now, you're going to be arrested by the high sheriff of heaven tonight. He's going to handcuff you and bring you back to himself. And you're going to realize, and you already do, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Because I feel like I'm right in the middle of a hotbed of Holy Ghost power. But how many knows when God gives you something, you need to say it. So I'm not here to calm you down. I'm here to stir you up. I'm not here to comfort the disturbed. I'm here to disturb the comfortable. Amen. <laughs> you know, the, the reason Steve Hill got, got by with that hard preaching, Linda Cooley said the, preachers, the preaching was too hard and the services were too long. And people kept coming, and they just kept coming. And they lined up and said, I'll tell you why, because the glory was in the house. And what you've done here tonight, you've entertained the presence of God. And so the reason we can get by with this preaching and you're receiving it and saying, pour it on is because you're in the glory. And you know I'm telling you the truth because America has gone away from God. But so has the church. A secret-sensitive mess somehow is trying to, to entertain people, forgetting about the presence of God, set soak and sour for an hour, be brief, bright, and brotherly. Church is so cold, you can skate down the aisle and shake hands with a polar bear. Shout amen, somebody. Singing, I shall not be moved, and they mean every word of it. Come on, say amen. That's why I don't go preach places. When you've tasted the glory, why go out there just for a check? I don't even want money that bad. You know, I'm finding out, I'm finding God, God's paying me to obey him. He told me one day, I'm not paying you to preach. If you'll pray and obey, I'll pay you. And God has met our needs. I've got no sad stories. But the good news is this. When God told me, I knew there was something going on in this region. I knew God had protected this. And that's what I see. I see a protected group of people with a leader that is leading you and feeding you. And when I saw the communion and I saw the, the intercession and I saw the worship, and it's like God is leading you into a, a realm of supernatural power to lead. You are leaders. You're on the front line. Call them Green Berets or Special Forces. But God is raising you up for such a time as this, for this last great wave, devil, Get ready. God's coming to town. You need to pack up your duds and get out. Dallas is going to experience an explosion. That's what I feel. And so I've sat there just enjoying the service, not looking forward to my preaching because the presence of God is all you need and all you want. But now that it's my time to say it, here's what I'm telling you. He said, you're trying to go forward. Think about everybody trying to excel and succeed and, and affluence, influence, positions, possessions, prestige, and, you know, more this, that, and the other, and, you know, bigger buildings and, and all. And God said, no, 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 just come on back to me. How many knows he knows how to build his church? He knows how to save the lost and heal the sick. It's, it's not like he needs our help in that area, you know I mean? Like God says, just a minute, angels, John has a good idea. Go ahead and tell me, John, what you think. Well, well, you're laughing, laugh at yourself because we're all that way. Somehow we try to improve, and God said, no, 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 I want to remove you. I don't want to improve you. I want to remove you, amen. And once you get out of the way, I'm going to flow to you and through you, and I'm going to raise up a group of people that's going to put the devil in the run in Jesus' name. It's going to happen right here, right here in the Metroplex, right here. And so my barometer's up, thermometer's up, my antennas are up. I hear something, I feel something, I see something, I smell. Revival. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. God is telling me to call you back to your first love. The love you had when you first got saved. When you first fell in love with him. You may have got saved quietly, but you couldn't keep quiet about it. You won't tell everybody. 
I took one look at my wife years ago, 43 years ago, and I got that funny feeling all over. I knew it was either in love or had the smallpox. How many can identify with that? And it is so, it is so easy to take each other for granted. But to rekindle that love between husband and wife and to stay in love. And love is like a flame. If you neglect it, it will die. But if you fan it, it will grow. And so I'm talking about reaching out and pressing in. Jesus, I want you. I don't even, I don't even want your stuff. I want you because if you get in, you got a stuff. I'm not going after things and thrills and theories. No, no, no. I'm going after Jesus. There's something about Steve Hill that impacted my life. And, you know, John Kilpatrick. Steve Hill, a teen challenge boy that would stand. And somebody said when he started the revival, he had six sermons and became a powerful, prolific preacher because, and he would preach. I never saw him one time where his, where, where his tears, where his eyes were dry. They was always wet. His, his, his eyes were always red. He was always a passion. Nobody can say Jesus like Steve Hill. Everybody say Jesus. Nobody can say Jesus like Steve Hill. And I looked at him. I memorized books of the Bible. And I'd been preaching revival for years. John Kilpatrick, myself, a little boy. We, we, we knew each other, and I'd preach for him a dozen times. But this, this man had something I didn't have. And I remember when I got prayed for. I came out of a six-week revival to go to his revival. And the reason I went to that revival, I'll tell you why. John Kilpatrick stayed after me. Brenda Kilpatrick called. And finally, John Kilpatrick, I had a, I had a school. I had 30 students. I was just teaching, teaching them how to be revivalists and, and pray and fast, pray and fast, pray and fast. And he said, John, I'm going to give you $5,000 for your school if you come down to this revival. Holy Ghost told me to go down. Amen. So I went down. And I went down to get the offering. And I thought, you know, I need some time off. We'll go to the beach. We didn't go to the beach. One time. <laughs> but for a month, God mopped the floor with me. And I rolled all over that floor. It began one night when I'm sitting there looking at a man that has a passion. He keeps doing this a lot. Steve Hill would drink water. And then he would say something. And then I would see the people run to the altar and something pulled on me. And, and, and finally, I, I thought, well... Then I saw the shaking. It was, it was a night when there was tremendous shaking. In fact, they interviewed a lady that was shaking uncontrollably. Now, I had seen some of that, but not that extent. Didn't think maybe we needed it now, because we've not grown that, but she was shaking, and I'm a preacher's boy, and so I'm sitting there, and, and a bunch of, I'm John Kilpatrick's guest. He's got me there close to the front with my wife and some friends, Harlan and Brenda Stoner. Brenda became his secretary for years. She's going to heaven now. But, but I was sitting there, and, and I had a funny thought. Preacher's kids have funny thoughts. And so, uh, Brianna, if you have funny thoughts, you know why, because you're a preacher's kid. And here's the thought I had. I'd worked in Springfield, the headquarters, as youth director of the state of Missouri, 10,000 teenagers, 400 churches, and I'd climbed the ladders, and, but I'd got sick of the religion, so I just bailed out of that and went after God, and my thought was, I'm going to tell my wife this. And here's what I told her. I said, wouldn't it be funny if Springfield headquarters got the shakes and they couldn't administrate because they was all walking around shaking like that? And I started to laugh. And when I started to laugh, I started to shake just like that. And I couldn't stop. I thought, my God, this is real. And I snuck down behind the pew and I couldn't stop the shaking. I just couldn't... I, and I said, God, I wasn't making fun of you. I was making fun of them. He said, you need it worse than they need it. Come on, shout amen, somebody. Real revival when you're saying, it's not my brother or my sister, but it's me, oh, Lord, standing in need of prayer. When that began to wear off, I, I was trying to hide so nobody could see me. My wife saw me. She was telling everybody, look what's happened to John. Look. And I was just shaking just like that. I wanted to lay hands on her without praying because she told everybody. Everybody's looking at me. But finally, when it wore off, I was a good little boy the rest of the night. And I remember going up for prayer. I had never been one to fall in the presence. I'd memorized books of the Bible. I'm strong in the Lord. You fall because you're weak. I'm strong. I don't need that. I got the word. Wow. The third time on my fanny, God said, son, <laughs> you don't got the word. I got the word. And I looked up and I said, God, 
I'm not quoting chapters. I haven't fasted 40 days, and yet, what is this? God said, this is me. And you think that you're helping me, but you're really not. It's your arrogance and pride that's hindering what I want to do. And you think you're a good preacher, but angels are snoring like it's midnight every time you preach. I think he said something like that, Pastor. Because I just got sick of my preaching. I got sick of everything. Then God says, son, you see that Teen Challenge boy that weeps? That's broken in my presence. That's all I want. Then he says, son, you make me sick. You've learned how to do church. You memorize stuff. You use humor. You can move a crowd. Those gifts I gave you, I'm not impressed with your gifts. I gave them to you. I'm impressed with your humility and your hunger. And I want you to want me. For a month, I was drunk in the glory. Good for nothing but just worshiping. Late at night at the Denny's with Sister Kilpatrick. I had to usher him because I heard a three-year-old girl crying. And I thought, well, who's crying? And, of course, there's hundreds on the floor late at night in the glory. You know the story. You know what it was, what it is here even. Late into the night, three-year-old girl crying. I said, God, who is it? God said, that's your wife. And I'm healing her as a little girl. She experienced religious abuse, domineering, manipulation, maneuvering, and you haven't helped her. You thought what she needs to be is a better preacher's wife, and you're trying to, son, you've hurt her. Now, you leave her alone. She's not yours. She's mine. My God, I wept in the presence. She wept. We had to wheel her out in a wheelchair. She had never been through anything like that, Pastor Sandy. She had never experienced the glory like that. Isn't that amazing? Most churches, you, you come in in a wheelchair, and you leave without the wheelchair, but that church, you left in a wheelchair because you couldn't walk. <laughs> Denny's late one night, we're all there, and Deb's in a wheelchair, and suddenly she starts laughing. Uncle, that's not so unlike her. And I begin to nudge her under the table because it was kind of embarrassing. It's, De- it's Denny's. And I said to her, Hun, we're not at church, this is Denny's. And she didn't care. She just kept laughing. It's like I've met a real man called Jesus, and so you be quiet because he's changed my life. And I tried to nudge her to calm down, and, and Sister Kilpatrick said, John, you need more carpet time. Oh, how many knows we all do? It was right after that that God, John Kilpatrick and Steve Hill commissioned me to be the, the ambassador, and everywhere we've been, the glory has landed. But I got tired of going to churches that weren't ready and weren't hungry. You're ready. You're ready for another level. God's up to something here. I haven't been here since, it's been years since I've been here. And I spent seven months in one church and three months in another church. And both churches were 1,000, 1,500 people. I don't minimize that time there. But the message for this mess age, are you ready? It's time to return to God. It's, we've tried everything. Come on back to Jesus. It's time. Everybody say it's time. Come back to your first love. Fall in love with him. Jump up in his lap and just let him love on you. Because that's what happened to me on the floor. God says, son, I don't need you to quote the scripture. I wrote it. I know what I said. You don't need to quote scripture to me. He said, just love on me. Just worship me. Just let me love on you. So stop trying to impress God. The only thing that impresses God, unto this man will I look. Unto him that is of a humble and contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. If you tremble at his word and you're hungry for him, you are blessing God. God is drawn towards you because it's not your ability, your gifts. It's your hunger that he wants. Throw your hands up again and praise him for 10 seconds. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Sori masandara mahaya. Oholaramatakisatara mahaya. Hallelujah. Jesus. When God said, come back to your first love, then he said, come back to the last word I gave you. Because you see, I was moving in disobedience, trying to leave Branson and trying to do some other things. And everywhere we'd go, it would break loose, and I would end up staying nine months or a year. But God says, son, I will let you go to those places, but stay right here because I'm going to do something here. 
And so I can remember telling my wife, Hun, the last word God gave us, this is our assignment. And I want everybody here to, to get a hold of the last word God gave you. Because if you're looking for a new word, and if you think I, if I can just have a new word, if I can just go to a new place, get a new house, a new job, a new mate, a new, no, no, no. You stand on what God has given you. And you stay faithful to what God has said. And if he's not saying anything, hold on to that last word. You know what the last word God gave me? You haven't seen it yet. It's in front of you. Position yourself. And I'm, I'm doing that right now. And I'm going to tell you something. Right before the tsunami comes in, the water goes out. And all you can see is the rocks and the dirt and the mess and the mud. And it doesn't look very inviting. In fact, it looks terrible. And that's what happens to a lot of churches. It looks like everybody's gone. Everything goes out. But the reason it's going out, there's a tsunami that's building. And it's about ready to come in. My God, I can see it coming this way. A Holy Ghost supernatural tsunami of glory. Dr. Larry Martin, who, whose life was impacted in the Miami, Oklahoma revival that we had for seven months, he said, I hear about Dr. Cho's prophecy. It'll burn like a match head. Match head don't burn very long, but it burns bright. But it burns out. A match head burns out. So what it should shock us if things didn't keep going there. Because a match head is to light the fire and the fires for other areas. Are you getting that? You are. <laughs> You're going to light those fires. Here's what he said. He said, he said, when a hurricane is stalled, and they keep saying it's supposed to be here, but it's not here. It's stalled. How many's heard the days or heard the news and the weatherman said, we don't understand it, but it's stalled out there in the middle of the ocean. When that hurricane is stalled, it's not getting weaker. It's picking up strength. Are you ready? This Holy Ghost hurricane is picking up strength, and when it hits, it's going to hit with such fury and such force. Ladies and gentlemen, America is going to experience the greatest revival. You may not understand the president. If you don't understand it, I'm going to explain it to you, okay? They asked him the other day, he said, how are you surviving the storm? He said, I am the storm, amen. And it looks like, <laughs> but all you've got to do, all you've got to do to understand is this. There's a difference between God's man and a man of God. Cyrus was God's man for God's time. How many knows that God's man can become a man of God? <clears throat> all he is is a newborn Christian, but he wants prayer meetings all the time, and he wants everybody to pray for him. And I'm telling you right now, there's hope because there's more prayer meetings going on in Washington, D.C. I was there for seven months, and what's going on now is the fruit of that revival. I'm about ready to run up and down the highway right now rejoicing because something's going on in the White House and the courthouse. And the devil is mad, and I'm glad. Come on, give God a hand to pray. Come on, shout unto the Lord. Woo! So you may not understand. I don't even, <laughs> to me, I don't understand that, but I'm telling you right now, God turned the, if God can turn the tide on a national scene, how many he can turn the tide in the church? But tonight, I'm talking to you. Look this direction. Because I'm just about through, but God's not. I live for what happens right now on the altars. For years, I wanted to be a great preacher. I wanted to preach like a house of fire and angel from heaven. I wanted to memorize all of Pastor Scott's stuff, Pastor Steve's stuff, and Kilpatrick's stuff, and Rodney Ham Brown's stuff, and Spurgeon, and Moody, and all those guys. I want to get all your stuff, and then memorize Scripture, put it all together, soak it in prayer for hours, and preach it. And I did that. It had some success. But I fasted 21 days, no food, no television, not to be a great preacher, but to see lives changed. Because I got sick and tired of people saying, wow, what a sermon, what a service. And they left, still full of the devil, bound by alcohol, bound by drugs. I said, my God, I'm not coming out of this basement. So you tell me that every time I give an altar call, everybody in the house is going to be saved and healed and filled and delivered in Jesus' name. There's power in the name of Jesus to jerk the devil out of your head, out of your heart, out of your home. And by the way, your kids weren't born to go to hell. They were born to go to heaven. Tell the devil, I've had enough of your stuff. My Come on, my grandkids are coming to heaven with me. 
Hallelujah. So I live for what happens in a few moments. And the neat thing about this church, River of Life Fellowship, you're not carrying water, the water's carrying you. Because I've sat and I've observed and I've soaked and I've been ministered to by the worship. Wow. By the atmosphere. Jesus, what a night. What a sight. A room full of people. Somebody said the way to have a big crowd is get a small room. Come on, shout amen, somebody. <laughs> I like that. This is a full house crowd. But I'm telling you tonight, I live for what happens in your life. Because I'm, I'm not going to talk about Washington, D.C., America back to God. I'm not going to talk about the church coming back to God. I'm going to talk about you. In your life, do you love him like you should love him? If there was a time in your life when you prayed more diligently, testified more zealously, gave more liberally, attended church more faithfully, prayed more fervently, than you do tonight, you have backslid that much. It's getting quiet here at St. Mary's Catholic Church. Come on, say amen. What happened? Start the car and get me out of here. I just, what happened? A while ago, you're shouting. And I know people's with me, not when they shout, but when they get real quiet. And I'm comfortable with that. I'm going to say it again. If there was a time that you're more on fire for God than you are tonight, you backslid that much. Backsliding, backsliding is not a blowout. It's a slow leak. Big John Hall, who will be here tomorrow night. How many of those Big John Hall? He's here in this area, and he'll be here tomorrow night. But he, he says, John Davis, he said, backsliding, you don't have to do nothing to backslide. The world's designed to help you backslide. Just go with the flow. The current and the tide, even of a church, religious system, will carry you away from God. But you've got to press in. If there was a time that you pressed in more than you do, tonight and you sought God more than you do tonight, you have backslid that much. Now let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Because the last thing God said, go back to the last word I gave you. And he said, 99% obedience will not do. I want 100% obedience. 99% holiness will not do. He wants 100%. And so right now here tonight, when pastor took the expense to fly me in, to pick me up and go with everything. And the accommodations are awesome and wonderful. And he is a wonderful host. But, oh, Jesus, I'm not here to waste anybody's time. We must go to a higher level, another dimension of power and glory. How many wants more of Jesus? You've got to give him more of yourself. You've got to give him more of yourself. How many wants all of Jesus? You've got to give him all, everything. Everything, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. 1,000% obedience, lock, stock, and barrel, every nook and cranny from head to heel, up and down, nose to toes, past, present, future, family, finances, everything laid on the altar, Jesus. I'm yours. Now, I'm through, but God's not. But here's what God gave me to share with you. Heard a man of God say this. I begin to add to it and make it my own because I like I like the way he was going down the road. But I have a way of I just like I like to be a wordsmith. And so he said, "It's not about me. It's about re." Everybody say re. Everybody say revival. So if you want revival, when we repent and return to God and receive Christ, and we redo our first work and we redig our wells and repair the altar and rebuild the walls. God will remit our sins and redeem us and restore our souls and renew our mind and rebuild our family and reinstate and reaffirm his word. He will refill us with his spirit, refresh us with his glory, refurbish and recalibrate and release his power. We will reconnect with others and we will reap rewards of revival and receive real refreshing and rejuvenation. Don't make me repeat this. Shout amen, somebody. <laughs> It's simple, but so am I. A country boy am I. But I come from Branson, Missouri to tell you that the biggest thing you've ever experienced is in front of you. This church's finest hour is not behind you. It's in front of you. The biggest thing God's ever done is on the horizon. 
Most prophetic people that I'm listening to tell me it's already started. It's already started. <laughs> Woo, somebody hold my mule while I shout. Hey, it's already started. And that's what I'm feeling. I said, Deb, we've turned the tide, hon. We've been through some wilderness experiences, and me and Deb literally have held on to each other at times, thinking, my God, I know we haven't sinned. There's no sin in our lives. What is this? The testing. The testing, the wilderness experience. How many's been through some stuff? Oh, and we all? Oh, yes, you have. How many's been through betrayal? Let me see your hand. That's part of it, too. Everything that you have, God, has brought you through some testing. Demons are screaming. You can smell hell. You wondered, am I going to make it? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you've made it. You're here. You may be limping, but you're here. Amen. You're still here, and you're able to praise God. You may, you may say, you know, I, I don't know how I got here, but you are here. And so clear your throat. Blow the cobwebs out of your soul. And I want you to get ready to shout unto God because your biggest miracle is right in front of you. It's called the Holy Ghost revival. That's going to prepare us for the rapture and the meeting in the air. How many still believe there's going to be a meeting in the air? You still believe that? Hey, hey, hey. Woo, Jesus. Here's the way me thinks it's going to happen. I see a harvest of souls. He didn't die for a few sticks. How many knows he wants the harvest of souls? I see signs and wonders, not just a gift here and there. I don't minimize a healing here and there. I don't minimize my toe and my head healed, but what, what about everybody in the house healed? Catherine Kuhlman said right before the coming of the Lord, there's going to be a wave of, of revival, and there won't be one sick saint when the rapture sounds, when the trumpet sounds. Everybody's going to be healed in Jesus' name. Oh, I feel the vibrations of God's power when I realize that because I saw it in a vision, 21-day fast. I, saw, I thought Pensacola was it. I thought that because I'd seen nothing like that, but God said, you haven't seen it yet. It's in front of you. It's going to be more. It's going to be too big to be just in one little church in Florida. In fact, you don't have to drive to Florida to get it. Amen. I'm coming to a city near you soon, right here in your own Metroplex all across the nation around. He's going to raise up churches and hotbeds of Holy Ghost power. He's going to raise up prayer meetings and homes, and it's going to break out in Walmart and Super Walmart. You're going to be walking down the aisle at the grocery store and the IGA, and you pass the black-eyed peas and begin to pray in tongues, and you go past the pork and beans, and somebody needs healing. You lay your hand on them, and the crippled are healed in the, in the supermarket. Amen. And, and Walmart, from stock market to supermarket, Wall Street to Main Street, White House to your house, Holy Ghost revival is going to hit this nation and the world is going to experience the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. Come on, give God praise. I, I believe that, folks. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't say it. I'm not playing on your emotions. I'm just telling you. That's why I've stayed in hiding. That's why you can't bait me to come out and preach anywhere. No, John Kilpatrick's asked me a dozen times to come preach for him. Another day he came to see me and said, why don't you come preach for me? I've asked you. I said, I'm honored that you asked me. And sometime I will, but right now, what's God saying? He's telling me to lay on my face. He said, I want to bless you. I know what that means. I, I said, well, you know, just forget the flight. Cut me a check. Amen. I'll take the check, right? And in fact, I'll fill the check out, and you, I'll, you just sign it. I know what I need, shout amen, somebody. It ain't about money. It's not about churches. It's not about crowds. It's about God. What are you saying right now? You know what he's saying? Tell my people to come back to me. Tell my people to lift their holy hands, made up minds, hungry hearts, seeking souls, and praise me like this the last day and the best day because the first day, because I'm getting ready to visit and revisit. Everybody wants to, how many wants to see him revisit this place? Like now? Come on, folks. Dallas, you've heard prophecies. How many is ready for it? Praise him for 20 seconds. I'm about ready to, I don't know what, I'm about ready to blow up tonight. Come on, just praise him. Come on, lift your voice. Come on for 10 more seconds, praise him. I just want you to play some music tonight as we worship him for just a few moments. <laughs> just some worship music playing. Worship him. Lift your voice. I preach myself happy. I preach myself on a conviction. I'm going to go up or blow up. 
I don't know what to do with myself tonight, but I live for what's going to happen in your life. Jesus, if God's given you a prayer language, speak it out. The utterance you never learn that he gives. Speak it out loud. Praise him in the Holy Ghost. Come on, praise him in the Holy Ghost. My God, the sounds of revival. The sounds of revival. Holy, holy, holy. Jesus. I'm already impressed with what I see here. You have nothing to do. You not even tried to impress me. You're in love with Jesus. Everybody here has been so kind. You've introduced yourself. This is a church of love, power, glory, and presence. But I want you, as you stand before the immortal tribunal of glory and the imperial presence of royalty, I'm asking for judgment day honesty. There was a time in your life when you were closer than you are now, you backslid that much. There was a time when you prayed more diligently, testified more zealously, attended church more faithfully, pressed in more, witnessed more faithfully. You backslid that much. If you're looking for another word, you hear nothing. God's saying, go back to the last word. If God's given you something to do, and you're not faithful to that excitement. Me and Debbie went back to Branson and began to reconvene the meetings. Because everywhere we go, we saw powerful revival. We didn't see it in Branson. But now it's starting to break. Because we've obeyed God. If there's disobedience, the, what I'm talking about tonight in this altar call, there's two things. He said, "Take, I want my people to come back. Back to their first love and back to the last word I gave them. And that is love and obedience, love and obedience, love and obedience. That's what he wants. Now, I'm going to count to three. On the count of three, I'm asking for judgment day honesty. Well, nobody looks at anybody else. This is you and God. If you're saying, John Davis, while you're preaching, God is showing me I need to return and repent. Because I didn't even know that I was lack and slack in some areas. But I'm under conviction. And I'm not going to walk out of here with my nose in the air like I'm good enough. I'm going to humble myself before the heavy, holy hand of God. In the mighty name of the mighty Yeshua HaMashiach, I set you free from pride, and I bless you with that ability to humble yourself and say, Jesus, I need to come back. I need to come back to you. 
I'm going to count to three. If God's convicting you tonight and you're under conviction, you'll say, John Davis, God is showing me there's sin in my life. He's showing me I'm backsliding. I'm not pressing in like I once did, and I'm sick of that, and I'm sick of me, and I'm sick of the devil. He's done it again, but he's a liar and a loser, and tonight we turn the tide and the table on the booger man. I'm going to return back to God with my whole heart, jump in his lap, and the rest of my life I'm sold out the whole route a thousand percent. On the count of three, in the mighty name of the mighty Jesus, if you need to repent, God's heavy hangs over you right now. It's called conviction. On the count of three, you're going to raise your right hand. One, two, three, raise it high. All over this building, many, many hands are going in the air. My God, many, many hands going in the air. That's confirmation. Stand to your feet, everybody. Jesus, I live for what happens now. We're going to lay hands on everybody in this house that wants prayer. There's prayer teams here to help us too. It's not my hand on your head, but I will pray for everybody before we leave the Metroplex. We'll pray for everybody that's hungry. But if you raised your hand, you need to repent. I'm going to count to three. On the count of three, get out of your seat and come and stand right here in front of me. One, two, three, come, hurry. Right here in the middle, come and stand. As you come and stand, throw your hands up high and just begin to praise him. Just begin to praise him. My God, I'm coming to repent. I'm coming to repent. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. When I see people respond, I know the pastor has trained you well because you know that you need to move toward him. You've come toward him tonight. The holy God of Israel is standing in front of you with your hands up. He's saying not just America back to God, not just the church back to God, but I want you to come back to me. With both of your hands in there, I'm going to pray for you, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Father, I thank you for River of Life Fellowship. I thank you, Father, for Pastor Scott and Sandy. I thank you, Father, for the anointing that I sense upon Brianna and this worship team. Father, I feel so honored to be here. You scheduled this plenty of time. Because you wanted me here. But you're telling me it's more than just about this group. It's about America back to God. Because, Father, we've been talking about something getting ready to happen in the nation. Something's getting ready to happen in the nation. Jesus, I saw this worship team leading. I saw them leading big stadiums. I saw that tonight. The sights and sounds of the Holy Ghost. You prepared us for such a time as this, and I bless these people. And I believe in a few moments, Father, as, as we empty ourselves and you empty of us of all the stuff and the junk, as we repent in humility and all the junk is gone, you're going to fill that void and that vacuum with your glory and we'll never be the same. Now, with both of your hands in the air, I want you to pray this prayer. You're not talking to Pastor Scott or Evangelist John. You're talking to Father God. Say these words out loud. Dear God, God can hear a whisper, but I want the devil to know you mean business. This Pentecost conference, say it louder. Dear God, I'm sick of my sin. I'm sick of myself. I'm sick of Satan. Right now, I humble myself. And I repent. I believe your word. I receive your word. I obey your word. According to your word, you cannot lie. As I come back to you, as I draw nigh to you, you will draw nigh to me. That's your word. You cannot lie. I'm coming back the altar of repentance, the heart of worship, back to Bethel, back to Penuel, back to the upper room, back to the old rugged cross, back to the Bible, back to basics, back to you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for pulling me back to you. 
And right now, I give you everything. I hold back nothing. Everything I am, hope to be, I surrender all. Satan, you hear me good. In the mighty name of the mighty Jesus. Get out of my head. Get out of my heart. Get out of my home. Get out of our church. Right now, I'm free from sin, Satan, self, sickness. I'm free. And I shout it. And I shout it. Come on, throw your hands up and shout praises to God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo, Jesus. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what I'm going to do right now. In a few moments, I'm going to lay hands on you, but I'm going to.